Under the Helmet. You'll do your thing, all right? Don't be nervous, okay? The show that looks at long-term player value in fantasy football. It's the moment right here. We're going to have to decide what, what type of team we want to be. Building Dynasties each and every week. I don't even know your name. What's your name? Chad Parsons. I'm telling you, man, you're leading the league in hydration. I got a Dynasty team reaping rewards for the next decade. Katie Flower. You may beat me, but you will not outwork me. Tim Torch. There's only one winner, Chad. Find their written and premium audio content at uthdynasty.com. Playing it safe in Dynasty means you're going to lose. Stop talking about it, man. Let's get this going right now. Welcome to Under the Helmet, looking at some long-term player value in fantasy football. I'm your host, Chad Parsons. Got Katie Flower. We're continuing on our series on how to win your 2022 Dynasty League and we talked quarterback last week. You can go and rewind the tape for that. We have running back this week. We're going to finish out with the pass catchers as we go through training camp. We're about 48 hours removed from football, actual football where people are jazzed. And then you know what? Two series in, they're going to be uh, over it already with the, the new version of the NFL preseason. But we'll take whatever data points we can accrue and acquire. So quarterback, we outlined it. One quarterback as well as premium formats. In this edition, Katie, we're going to be talking about running backs. This is one where you need to get it right. You'll want to be starting a bunch of guys on a weekly basis. Clarity and, uh, again, so many twists and turns on a weekly basis with injuries, with step-ins, with fill-ins. And, uh, again, let's get started with some of our macro and micro takes here for 2022. Well, one of the first things that I want to mention is if you look at the teams and their position at running back, there's only a handful that I feel comfortable saying that is the RB1 for that team. That is the clear, definite starter. And I want as many shares of that team's running back as I can. Outside of that handful, there's a grab bag, a grab bag of guys that could potentially be RB1 uh, in their scoring for fantasy purposes. There are guys that are very easy to disappoint owners um, that have big names. And then there's other guys that are neglected under, under um, I wouldn't necessarily say utilized. They're utilized in the season, but the Rodney danger field, they don't get any respect kind of guys. And then, uh, and then there's guys that really aren't going to move the needle one way or the other. And that's because of the negative game script for their team. And so Really, you're going into a season just like any other where you've got a handful of guys that seem like rocks and then you got to discern what else you got. Yeah, I think this is a critical year and I haven't done it through this lens every single year. So don't quote me on this, but it feels like a critical one where you have the profiles versus the promise. You kind of have two different buckets of there's plenty of younger guys or or guys thrust into potential roles that haven't really done it much. Maybe they've done it a few games. Maybe they did it part of last year, but they haven't been that uh, that anchor point, that cornerstone element of a team's run game before. And I think the push pull in Dynasty is always and running back is a poster child for this. The age and when is it going to fall off? Sometimes people start reacting strongly at 25. 26, a lot, and and most people by 27 and 28. But those are the guys that have been there, done that for a few years. We've seen it. And then you have the promise. It could be through pedigree. It could be just through guys that have not had more than a committee role yet. And those are the ones where if you put too high of expectations on them, 
it's possible. And I almost call this the Tony Pollard isn't in this position, but look at Tony Pollard. Going back to Memphis in the NFL, he's never really done it at all. And yet a lot of people think he's a great running back. And who knows? He may well go on at some point in time to be a multiple-year starter. But it hasn't happened. It hasn't happened. Checks watch. I have to go back to Tony Pollard High School. Was he even you know, a high-volume guy in high school? I'm guessing no, but I could be wrong on that. Uh, and frankly, it's so long ago, I don't think it really matters that much. So I think the profile versus promise is a big one because running back, if you just have a nothing year and yet the valuation of that player is high, then you missed a, an opportunity because these are critical years. They don't have till 30 like wide receivers. They don't have till 35 plus like uh, tight ends and, and quarterbacks. So you've got to be really careful about the profile versus promise because you can, you can hand ring and say, I don't want a 26 or 27 year old. Okay, well, then you're going to go down the gamut of a guy that probably hasn't been there and done that for much, if at all. Yeah. And then you, you know, you, you hit a backfield that I wrote down as interesting. And it's interesting on so many different levels. Are we going to see the Zeke that can carry that team? But they're very interesting because of their wide receiver core. They've got CD Lamb, and now James Washington is hurt. Michael Gallup starts the year on Pup. Are they going to sign somebody like Odell Beckham Jr. or Will Fuller? Uh, you know, there's some names out there, notable names out there, you know, wide receivers that are still waiting. T.Y. Hilton, I don't think would be a great fit, but he's still potentially out there. Um, they, and now we're seeing, and now we're seeing, you know, a lot of bump up for oh, Jalen Tolbert, just easy answer, easy button. Like I saw a rookie draft, you know, this week or or post that news that he's going, you know, round and a half earlier than he was otherwise, and it's like the assumption. That they're just gonna walk in. Okay, be careful. But yeah, Dallas is a fascinating one for sure, and it starts with the backfield, right? And so, if they have to lean on that backfield, and that's how they matriculate the ball down the field, uh, then I think that Zeke and Pollard could be a very interesting backfield in the thunder and lightning that they would give, and that they could both then be viable. But I don't think that the Cowboys are going to go into the season with just one wide receiver and a bunch of question marks. Their tight end position isn't that strong to be able to just lean on that either. Uh, so yeah, and Emmanuel, Emmanuel Sanders is still out there. He showed something when he was last with Buffalo, but it, it does feel like they've got to do something because if Gallup and Washington are out and, and they basically said Washington was our plan, was our plan until Gallup is back. That is very thin. And we're still talking about C.D. Lamb profile that can he really tilt the offense? Can he be the guy and not just someone that benefits because everyone thinks Amari Cooper is the guy uh, when you when you go and roll the ball out? So that's, yeah, that, that is definitely a big one. And Zeke is part of that group of 27-year-olds. And this feels like the year that if you get those players right, whatever cross-section of the 27-year-olds that produce and produce to a strong, impactful level, I think you're going to win. You know, I, I think if you get those right, because the price is so palatable, I, I know that Austin Eckler is going a little pricier, but guys like Fournette and uh, James Conner, uh, Alvin Kamara with Willie Woney miss games this year, I think he won't. You know, that's going to be a push to 2023 type thing that Jordan McNamara, all he's been saying, you know, in the bat channel at Football Guys is it's going to be 2023. He may miss games, but it's probably not going to be this year. Dalvin Cook is 27. Exciting new offense there with the Minnesota. 
Um, I mentioned, you know, we mentioned Zeke. Eckler is on the pricier side of that bucket. Chubb is almost 27. Get Derrick Henry, Aaron, Aaron Jones, all these guys. These are mainstay producers over the last five years at the position. And yet, if you want to throw them out, you want to get cute, you want to trade them for a young player in a second or something like that, that could be the difference between you performing well with your team and not this year. Those are critical players. And so just assuming too old, not interested, sorry. I mean, I get that, but these are cornerstone producers we've seen. Oh, yeah. And another backfield that I find um, as far as potential breakout, and this may sound strange, but I think that there's room for a big time for both of them. But Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon, I think A.J. Dillon is in for a breakout. He had 803 yards last year with 313 receiving yards on only 34 receptions, whereas Aaron Jones had 391 receiving yards on 52 receptions. So with no Devontae Adams and a, I would say, weaker than normal wide receiver core, I don't see any reason why Green Bay won't pound the football. A.J. Dillon is a capable receiver out of the backfield as well as uh, run the ball up the gut. He's a big guy, as you know, uh, thunder thighs or whatever you want to call him. But I think that he and Aaron Jones can both have a big season and both be potential RB1s in fantasy. Oh, yeah. And I, I don't think a lot of people would guess this. And the, the, the moniker is still on him from Boston College that A.J. Dillon can't catch. And I have numerous little clips on my phone that, you know, just watch it on Sunday night, Monday morning of like, oh, wow, you know, that's just a random second and nine reception. But, you know, you'll see a twisting, adjusting AJ Dillon to a ball out of the backfield. There's been reports again in training camp. He had a higher yards per route run last year than Aaron Jones. And a lot of people wouldn't guess that. He is a full fledged three down back Aaron Jones. Is he going to be one that split out a little more? Do we see even 10% of snaps? with both of them on the field at the same time. Because you could argue they're their two best skill position players beyond Rodgers. And so why wouldn't they see the ball more? Why wouldn't they be more of, uh, think back to Denver you know, last year, where you have two running backs, both seeing enough time to be top 24 type plays in a given week. And, and yeah, I think Dylan is firmly in his prime. Um, Aaron Jones, you know, we'll see. Does he bounce back? Is he at high at 27, almost 28 years old? Is he going to be someone that we see the efficiency, we see the big play pop come back for him? So that's the the big question. He's exiting the running back prime. Dylan is firmly inside of it. So I think that's a, a critical one where, again, uh, getting it right and not fading Dylan. Dylan's still like a late first valuation where you say if Aaron Jones goes out, Yahtzee time. So yeah, I think that's a huge one. Um, I wanted to say as a general overarching point, be careful of the injury compromised backs and the concerning offensive settings. And I think it's easy to get sucked in. And these are young players, JK Dobbins, Cam Akers, Elijah Mitchell, all these players. And a lot of times we, 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 you see it on Twitter. It's very easy if you search you know, and follow the injury resources. Significant injuries, a lot of times it's not the first year they're back. It's the second year, Sequan Barkley, aka for 2022, that we really see them turn back into form. They might be returned to play, but not returned to form and return to dominance, whatever that means for them. And so Cam Akers, I'm really concerned. This is also a team that they love their toys. They got Allen Robinson and they might not be done. Beckham might be going back there with you know them alluding in that direction, but they don't throw it to the running backs. So Cam Akers 
How good does he have to be as a pure runner? How many touchdowns does he have to score to, to validate the risk of him not looking good? He still is going through Achilles and barely 12 months out. So everyone's like, oh, he'll be fine. Another seven months or whatever since we saw him not look good. Big risk there. And I know he's not you know, a top five dynasty asset, but he's still high enough that there's risk. There's risk. He's going higher than all these guys likely to produce better than him. J.K. Dobbins, same thing. Significant injury. This is return to play versus return to form. So I think, and, and them signing Mike Davis, they have some level of concern about how this is going to go, and they don't throw the ball to running back. Elijah Mitchell, they just keep drafting good enough running backs. You think Elijah Mitchell is going to have a long leash? And, and he saw a good sample size of usage when he did play last year, but now surgery in the offseason, and they've got three, four, five deep. What's that going to be? So I think you have to be careful with young players just by being young and evaluate the situation regardless if they're 23 or 27. Yeah. Uh, one of the guys that I think is going to be a disappointment this year, and he is considered a top five running back, I think Najee Harris. And I think that's mainly because of who he plays for, not necessarily him himself. But he's got Mitch Trubisky throwing the ball. I think Trubisky's going to win that position. Kenny Pickett hasn't looked good. Plus, he's a rookie. And and what rookie doesn't struggle in their first year anyway. So that's going to be a negative game script a lot of the time. you got a guy like Deontay Johnson who may get traded before the season starts. And then that puts a lot of pressure on Chase Claypool and George Pickens and company. Uh, I like Pat Fryer move as a tight end. They can move the ball with him. But again, uh, Harris is already dinged up in practice. And on top of that, he's going top five as an RB. I am scared of Najee Harris for this year. Yeah, and, and we saw him fed last year, almost 100% snaps last year. And we saw him as a mid to higher running back one. Is that perfect storm happen again? I, I think he went carted off. It doesn't seem overly serious. But again, he's one that I still wonder. I mean, they have done nothing to try to elevate or actually elevate the running back two spot. Benny Snell has been holding that job for way too long. He's just a guy. like He is the definition. Like He should be on the billboard for Jag because that's what he is. He, he has a third speed and that's it. No Zuzu. Not really a lot of receiving ability. And I know Anthony McFarland didn't work out. We'll see about Jalen Warren, who I think is a super deep, just monitor guy sleeper. But like they don't really, they haven't really addressed the backup position. And Najee Harris was supposed to fix everything. And yet, like you said, there's some concerns about what the output of this offense is overall. Even if they have good wide receivers, are they moving the ball with Mitch Trubisky, et cetera, you know, under center? Um, I'm going to go with one that I came, uh, I came uh, about because my most recent startup is a best ball. And I do think best ball versus head-to-head, -head, you reevaluate what you're doing at running back. So I, I just wanted to highlight, and best ball I know is a cross-section of Dynasty. It's not necessarily the heaviest portion, but just know that the, the glorious part about backup running backs is you have clarity going into kickoff that they are the starter or they are not the starter. So that is a huge benefit of the clarity factor. You go into best ball, and especially if there's tight end premium, maybe running backs only get half PPR, best ball shifts the game. In terms of roster composition, in my opinion, you want more pass catchers because they're seeing significant snaps every week. 
You don't know when they're going to pop off for a long touchdown. And with a running back that's a backup, uh, the partial game, the, the, the starter went out in the third quarter, they're probably not going to have a startable game that week anyway. So the clarity, which is the big benefit of head-to-head and backup running backs, is not there at, as much in best ball. So that's just one thing I want to highlight. I think roster composition in best ball, you don't, you know, I've said before, one and a half, two X running backs to wide receivers in head to head. But in best ball, especially we see a lot more nuanced formats with scoring shifting to wide receiver, especially towards tight end premiums. You need to take that into account and that will shade what is the optimal look for your roster. Yeah. The one thing I love about the best ball format is you get a couple of reliable guys and then you get a couple of high high upside guys on that any given Sunday, man, it, it can really make your your roster. You don't need as much depth in the different positions. Um, one thing I want to mention about running back is that you need to grind the position every single week. It changes. And wide receiver, frankly, the waiver wire, I mean, I, I list a few guys because you know I'm putting out content regarding the waiver wire. So you want to cover everything. But from actual real interest, not really. But running back, you're seeing shadings. Oh, this guy is dinged up. We don't know going into Tuesday, Wednesday, what his status is for the week. He may be out. And then you're you're really watching closely for Friday. So the practice reports and grinding every depth chart, that's why I do the running back injury away matrix every single week at UTH. You've got to be on it because you don't want to sit there and have a, a, a league mate walk into the waiver wire, spend 50%, and now get a guy that someone just got put on IR and they just get an auto start for a month. You don't want to let that happen. You've got to proactively roster that backup running back that could benefit from injury and prioritize them from upside on down, clarity on down. But when it pops up, you know, your Devante Bookers or Devonta Freemans or whoever it is that pops up that all of a sudden week four is interesting, that you know, can you see that coming? Can we read the tea leaves? Can we improve our probabilities every single week? And running back is that position. You've got to be on it because all of a sudden the guy is not appealing and a drop. And frankly, it's a position where you can plug in, plug out guys. And there's a lot in the NFL that are good enough to carry the mail for a game or two, even if not, even if not for a half a season plus. Absolutely. Uh, one of my others that I have down as a possible disappointment this year I think James Cook, uh, He, I just saw him drafted at the 105 in a rookie draft this past week. That's high as, higher. The more the training camp starts, the more he's rising up the boards. And I don't get it. I don't think he's as versatile of a back coming out of Georgia as some of the other Georgia backs have been. I think he is getting a boost from having an older brother that's already in the NFL and the Georgia boost. So um, I just think that if you're putting all your eggs in that basket, prepare to be disappointed for this year and, and maybe even beyond. He seems like that Clyde Edwards Alaire just being pushed up the board because of situation. And I think the situation is more fake than anything. I think Singletary has a better hold on that position than most people think and give him credit for. They now have three day two running backs on the same depth chart on rookie deals. That's a lot of pedigree invested. And what I find fascinating, they are 29th last year, but the Buffalo Bills were in high leverage opportunity score for running backs, goal line and targets. Put those uh, weighted together, 29th. So 
that's a, like you said. I mean, drafting him clearly in the first round uh, of one quarterback rookie drafts, and you know maybe fringe first second round in superflex, and over Devin Singletary, guy that can play, guy that came out of college as a two way profile. Zach Moss has had moments. I know he's been up and down. He's been inactive, and and you know it's been a roller coaster ride. But you got three viable guys, and to assume James Cook, who is you know not a cornerstone uh, workhorse foundational running back coming out of college. You know that that's an easy statement that he's going to be the go away. Oh, suddenly we're going to use him like Darren Sproles. Okay, it's a Josh Allen offense. So let's be let's be clear. There's probably not six to eight touchdown upside for any running back in this offense based on how they run things. And they've got good weapons. So to say that a running back is going to come in here and be the centerpiece, it's just a big price. You know, I agree with you. Who's the cheapest guy? You know, Zach Moss might be on waiver wires in some leagues. Devin Singletary is certainly cheaper than James Cook, but you may not even want a piece of the entire pie at all. So, so yeah, that's a really good one. Um, I'm going to say, and this is more starting in a few weeks, we know the waiver wire is going to start churning. And it's just a, a reminder to make sure you know when you're start. Some don't start till close to week one. Others are going weekly. And every week you just get the email. You're like, oh, missed out. I didn't even set it. So at least go through you know, and know when your starts, have an alert, something like that. But I think you really have to monitor at the running back position who other teams drop. Because it's, in my opinion, it's the most fascinating position because there'll be guys that you clearly would, if they were on the waiver wire, would bid on. And yet they get dropped because they're not a clear starter this week. And they are squeezed with bye weeks, with injuries, especially in the mid-20s and fewer roster spots. So be really careful. You can get a lot of good primary backups if you just keep your eyes open with who your league mates are dropping during the year. So that's one where you can accumulate players that you might have been trying to add on to bigger trades, and yet you get to week seven and they're, they're dropped, just overtly dropped because of the squeeze. And you can just allocate and boost that roster spot, even if you're dropping a running back for now, an improved option. Oh, yeah. And then regarding trading, when it comes to running backs, especially this time of year, those that are getting uh, buzz from from training camp, guys that are quote unquote studs, but yet you have pause for whatever reason. It may be the Cam Akers or the J.K. Dobbins or Travis Etienne or any of the guys coming off an injury that somebody still has faith and will give them credit as being a stud. If you can get either somebody that's not as established or overlooked and then plus a 23 first and maybe even more, depending on who the player is, that's a good pivot. You get a guy like Leonard Fournette, for example, who this year could put up just as many points as the Cam Akers or the J.K. Dobbins, but let but you're mitigating the risk. And not only that, he's in a good offense. He's in a good position. He's wildly undervalued, but he puts up RB1 numbers. Then you add on top of that a 23 first. If it's a top six pick, there's your running back stud. There's that many running backs in next year's class that if you get a top six, if you're lucky enough to get a top six pick, you're going to get one. So you've got your youth for the future. You've got your points for this year. That's the perfect scenario. That's the perfect type trade when it comes to running back. Two way go, yeah. Two ways to win the deal. And and yeah, looking at some of the names you mentioned, I mean, these are high leverage opportunity Maven offenses. Tampa Bay was number two last year. Leonard Fournette, clear starter. So what's the problem? You know, doesn't it seems too simple? Well, that's because sometimes it's a simple game. 
<laughs> Tom Brady offense, Leonard Fournette, clear starter, and like Austin Eckler, easy button, right? They were top five, high leverage opportunities. Joshua Jacobs is a sneaky one. Raiders are projected to be better, a lot better. They're an offense and a division that's going to need to score a ton of points. And I know everyone wants to run Jacobs out of town and he's horrible. Samir White's going to come in and take his job and you know all this stuff. I mean, again, you want the starting running back for strong offenses. That's a good formula. And so Josh Jacobs, this, this t- Raiders team was number one in high leverage opportunities last year for running back. Number one. So even if you say that there's some some cracks in the foundation for Josh Jacobs, he's 24. He's done it three straight years. And here he is, the starting running back for a projected rising offense. And he's you know, flailing in price, plummeting down the board, barely you know, in the top 20, 25 at a position that falls off after 15, 18 names. All these guys, Zeke, Fournette, Connor, all these guys are beyond that that threshold I just named. So again, and that's going to be another something, high leverage opportunity that is uh, tracked weekly on UTH. You'll see that up at the site. So you'll be able to, to see where we're moving with that. But it is so tough. Like Derrick Henry uh, and Nick Chubb are two of the only guys that have really pushed aside high leverage because they just don't get many targets in, in those offenses. And they're the ones that you say they've gotten home to be like a mid running back one or higher season or upside. It is so, so rare to overcome really bad opportunity offenses at the running back position. So just know that. I mean, if you're in the middle, that's fine. But when you're out deep in the 20s, it's tough. And you know what? It's hard not to finish well when you're high up in the top five or six. So really important there. Getting goal lines, getting targets. If the answer is no to both, I don't know what we're doing here. You're, you might be Devin Singletary, actually. <laughs> that, that might be the answer on who you are this year. All right. Uh, let's go through some trades, Katie. So you mentioned some two-way goes. Um, I, I outlined three or four here that I think are interesting from a profile perspective, as well as how do we handle the position for 2022. First one, we've got Antonio Gibson. Have not mentioned him yet in this show. And a 24-third for... Clyde Edwards Alaire and a 24 first. A 24 first. And super all these are super flex. Yeah. Right. Um I think I'd rather have the Gibson side. Clyde Edwards Alaire, he still scares me. And oh, yeah. I wouldn't I wouldn't give him the full benefit of the situation. We haven't seen it yet. Whereas we have seen it with Antonio Gibson. And while there is pause with what's going to happen in Washington, give me the guy that's done it over the guy that hasn't done it. Yeah, I think it's pretty fair. Um, I wish it was a 23 first, um, but I think that first is huge. And I think it, what, what, it, what this comes down to is, is Gibson going to be enough over Edwards Alaire in the next two seasons that you know that first doesn't level or overtly win the deal? And Edwards Lair is a tough one. Yeah, I mean, you say first round pick, good offense, but they brought in Rojo, and I know you know camp reports are camp reports, but you know there's a lot of talk about Isaiah Pacheco and like you know they brought in Jarek McKinnon and all this stuff. But still, you know, you have that first round running backs, even a Sony Michelle type, they generally have a longer runway to be decent than even the bus we kind of think about. So. I don't know. Like, is that gap going to be enough? I know Washington is a high leverage opportunity for for running backs, but you know what? A lot of that goes towards McKissick. So I do have concerns about Gibson. I really like the player, 
but they bring in Brian Robinson as a hammer who does everything right. You have McKissick who should have been in Buffalo and now he comes back over. I, I really don't like this formula, Katie. I, I don't, I love the player. I just, Gibson really, from a situation and opportunity standpoint, he's, he's one of three or four running backs. I just wish I knew how this would go because he's been a good producer. He's a good talent, but man, like if he's squeezed on goal line and short yardage stuff with Brian Robinson and then McKissick's doing his 50, 60 catch thing, I don't know how he scores. I don't know how he scores well. It's just tough. It's tough. And that would make it for me easily take the first. If that ha- scenario happens, I think you easily take the first here. Right. But that's the problem. And right. that's the thing is it's all speculation. There's yeah. a lot of people that are down on Antonio Gibson. I was talking to one of our listeners the other day who was asking me a trade question on Twitter the other day. And in general, if I've got a guy that is capable of putting up RB1 numbers and hasn't in a in a little bit and his situation is changing, no matter how dire that situation is, I'm not going to undersell him for less than what his value is. Because then if he does go off on the other team, I've not only hurt myself, but I've helped the other guy. I'd rather him die on my on my vine. When did I get Antonio Gibson? Probably in the second round, maybe even third round of rookie drafts. That's when I usually got him. He's already won me a season. He's already helped win me a league or two or however many. And so rather than short sell, now if I can get his value in a trade, then fine. I'm fine with that. Then I'm rolling the dice and taking the chance that he is going to get worse and not better. Um, but I've mitigated that risk by getting pieces that I believe can help me. And, it's, and it could be a win-win trade. But again, somebody like Antonio Gibson, I'm not going to sell him just on the speculation that he may not do this or that. We we can't always, it's not a perfect world out there. And again, short of knowing and having a crystal ball and seeing, okay, this is the end of the season. Here's where Antonio Gibson finishes. You want to go back and rethink that thing? If it had been a 23 first, as you mentioned, or if it had been a bigger piece than Clyde Edwards-Alaire, I would I would probably jump right on it. I wanted to ask if, if that was Rashad Penny, does that change things? Does that make it a better two-way go? Yes. Yeah. Because he's going to be the clear, like we have a better sense of what he's going to do this year if healthy. Exactly. And okay. I do like Rashad Penny's profile. And I yeah. think that he is capable of, of doing the same thing. And there's as many question marks on that Seattle backfield and the negative game script that Seattle's going to be in with Geno Smith or Drew Locke at the helm. They're gonna they're gonna they're gonna have to throw the ball all around the yard just to keep up. And so I yeah, there's question marks in that backfield too. But yes, that would move the needle. Nick Chubb and a 23 second for James Conner and a 23 first. That's close. That's yeah. that's actually a pretty good trade because you're probably gonna get similar production with Connor as Chubb. Um, I think Connor's just slightly a little bit younger, um, but uh, you're getting Connor, that. Connor's a little older. Is he a little older? Yeah, okay. they're, they're I, I figured they were, yeah, about the same. Uh, but anyway, you're getting the first instead of the second, and you're getting what could be potentially similar production in a one-year window. Um, I don't do you, hate do you think? Th- do you think this is... <sighs> the first is the big part because if this was Chubb for Connor in a second, I think you probably don't do it. 
But the fact that we know how big those second to first upgrades can be sometimes, I mean, that, that could be huge, especially if that's your second and probably, you know, back half or you're a stronger team. Man, it, it's a big deal. So I think that they're both on, you know, you look at them maybe in one to two year windows and you like a running back 26, 27, you reassess every year. How are things looking? I think Nick Chubb's got big upside with uh, Deshaun Watson. You know, the games that we get here with the Browns, but Connor. He's been there, done that. I mean, he has an underrated profile, but yeah, it feels like you take the first and you say similar running backs on the the back half of their production window, and you say the first is the big deal, and I'm not getting a second and a wide receiver. Like the add-ons are significant here. Yes, and I think that anybody that can still trade for 23 firsts should still trade for 23 firsts. It is a very gifted and talented class. I think the price tag on them as it gets towards the beginning of the season to the middle of the season is going to go down a little bit. You're going to get a, a buy opportunity to buy some of those 23 firsts, do it judiciously. And in this type of trade where you're getting similar production and, and you're getting that boost to me, that makes sense. I will assume this is a rebuilding trade. I find it interesting. It's happening in late July, but Austin Eckler for Damian Pierce, Kadarius Tony, Rondell Moore, and a 24 second. I don't like any of those pieces. <laughs> uh, I mean, you want to get quantity. You certainly do, but there's quantity with a bunch of question marks. I don't know that Pierce is ever going to amount to anything. Uh, Tony, possibly. And then you said. Rondell uh, Moore. Rondell Moore. Yeah. Uh, Not one piece is high enough, right? I mean, right. You know, you're dividing that pie way it's up. It's not too like much. you went. It's not like you went. AJ Dillon, Tony Moore in a second. Like right. you didn't even put like a top piece. Like there is no top piece on there. All of these are ancillary pieces. And here's what I don't get: It's July, August. Eckler is not someone that you should have trouble moving in season right. if you're not competitive. I don't know. It feels like you you run away. Like you you had a Austin Eckler twenty seven for the season all off season. Like why why now? Right. If you've got gotten all the way here, you might as well wait till week one, right? I mean, you might, might as well wait right. till he's producing and other teams start having injuries. I yeah, this one really befuddled befuddled me. And it's like you can give as many pieces as you want if they're all nickels. Who cares? Yeah. So you got to be really careful, and and again, we're not we're not being overly picky. I mean, you can. I, I mentioned AJ Dillon. I mean, that's still, you know, a, a good fall from from Eckler in terms of the dynasty valuation and and market there. So you can still, you know, not not say, well, I have to get a top ten dynasty running back or something. That's not what we're saying here. All right, we got one more here. Travis Etienne, one of the more interesting guys going into this year for Alvin Kamara, Mark Ingram, and a twenty four first. Are you kidding me? You take the Camara side and run. Okay. Absolutely. You get a first and you get Camara and Ingram. Two-way go. Yeah. yeah, because you've got that New Orleans backfield sewn up. I like right. ETN, but even in his class, there was question whether he would have been a 101 in any other class. Yeah. Um, nah, there's no way. You take Camara and, and the and – the, Well, this is and, also an example where – I mean, sometimes you go farther out than what your eye can see in 2023 and people give up picks, you know, 24, 25, however deep your league goes, 
And people view that as monopoly money. Like, ah, oh, look at me. I'm going to get ETN. I'm going to be the smartest guy in the room. But ETN's done nothing. He's entering his 20... He was a four-year player as well at Clemson. So he, he's almost on the Najee Harris type track. He's 23 and a half. If he produces a good season, we're going to go in next year and he's 24. It's a pretty big deal. You know, the, the coming in at 21, having a role right away, not having that early career injury... But Kamara at 27, and I think a lot of people are really worried he's going to get suspended A for a long time. At 27, boy, every game you miss is, is a critical element. And I'm not going to disagree that games don't become more important when you're older because the the window. But Kamara's a guy like Christian McCaffrey, their game's going to travel. These past-centric guys later in their 20s, I mean, think back to Ladinian Tomlinson, Marshall Falk. I mean, you get into your later 20s, early 30s, you can still be a, a top 24 PPR guy, even if you're not the same player because of your receiving acumen. So Ingram still on the landscape and Kamara, he, even if he misses six games next year, I mean, wouldn't you still put him at for the this year and next year on a per game basis, the favorite over ETN to, to score more? Absolutely. Yeah. So you can't get cute. This is, this is the, you know, and also, I think you've said this before, using a first round pick to quote unquote upgrade at running back. Uh, that's probably not the, the vehicle to use your first, right? I mean, this yeah. time of year, let me buy four more years and get younger at running back. That's kind of what they're trying to do. Oh, let me get rid of Kamara. Let me get younger. If, if Etienne is the next great thing, he's going to be worth what Najee Harris is worth now. And I'll be good to go. This is going to be a, a huge, huge win. Is is that's how they're thinking? It, it, I know, but that's how they're thinking of it. That this is the way to have explosive, core level asset insulation on your team. But yet, you want to look at the other side. Etienne's coming off of injury. You got a team that was horrible last year, and even if they improve, they could be decent. So, and you got a, a guy that's twenty three, hasn't played. He's not as insulated as we think. He'd be 24 with a profile when we get there. Jonathan Taylor's put up two good years and he's 23. <laughs> so there's a little bit of difference there. All right, uh, Katie, final thoughts at running back? Final thoughts as we're getting into the swimming pool? Uh, I swear, my phone blows up with all these notifications. I actually need to figure out how to turn the notifications down. I need to turn the dial down from 10 to 4 because now I feel like my phone is like Tim Torches. It's just like I'm seeing everything and I don't need to know every time Mariota completes a pass to Olamide Zacchaeus. So I don't need to know that in training camp because it's a lot of, uh, and frankly, at running back, we didn't say it, but running back is the, the position. It's hard to glean anything from no pads, light pads, sparse contact. We don't know what's happening here. So-and-so looks smooth. That's awesome. It's seven on seven and the running back got a draw play. There's no one there. Yeah, <laughs> that's, yeah that's great. Anyway, but well, it's, uh, it's as we get into August here. It's as effective as watching a wide receiver one on O against air catching a ball, or he gets right? nine seconds to run a route. Yeah, <laughs> he gets to make seven moves. I always love when we saw that at the Senior Bowl. You you see him run seven different maneuvers. It's like you cannot cover a guy when he's running three different routes at once. Yeah, it was it was crazy. But two days Hall of Fame game. Um, Travis Etienne won't be playing, so that kind of uh, Lawrence either. Yeah, and, and Trevor Lawrence won't be a playing either. Snoop so. Connor, get ready. Yeah, but I mean, it's going to be live football action with hitting, and it'll be interesting to see. I think just from an approach standpoint, I like um, Peterson and what he's doing so far. So we'll see. Um, 
he's been around the league. But I'm very, very much ODing on NFL Network and uh, Training Camp Central. I don't get all the notifications on my phone like you do, but definitely been watching the news, finding things. And I will say, I mean, I, I made it a Snoop Connor joke, but just know this month, these few games are could be the best reps, the most reps we see from these players that are relative unknowns. We know their college profile, but we may not have a sense of them until we start talking about them partway through the year because there was an injury and now they're moving up the depth chart to some degree. So this is important for seeing, and I will say every year, there's running backs that even if they're buried in games, you can see that they can play. And there's other guys you can see they just, even against third string guys, they look like just another guy. And those identifiers are very important and why, again, I'll say that's why I get paid the money and I'm slogging through these cut-ups of, of preseason games and watching key players because we want to have a sense of their game. How do they move at the NFL level? Because later this year, at some point, you're going to be like, well, I haven't really seen them. Well, we technically did in August. So you want to do that work so that in the future, when they're on a watch list, when they get dropped in a deeper league and we go, eh, is it worth picking them up? We can properly assess that situation and make the best use for our dynasty roster and uh, activity there. All right. So mentioned activity, Katie Flower, between episodes, you want to find her, got a startup draft, got a lot of people that are uh, starting that journey uh, with a new league this month. And uh, if you got questions for her at FF underscore Skyler 399. I'm at Chad Parsons NFL. Reminder, become a general manager plus or trade calculator subscriber over at UTH. Have your best season yet coming up. And you're going to start seeing game recaps, uh, film notes shows uh, throughout. Uh, I usually do them in bunches when we get certain, you know, five, six games on a Saturday. Boom. Those will all be one show. Uh, and I need to get the reps as well, just like officials, just like the players uh, getting ready for week one. And so, uh, again, you get all those premium shows. Deshaun Watson did about 15 minutes on him, lay of the landscape. Uh, when, when news comes out, injuries, Cam Akers, J.K. Dobbins a year ago, action planning is critical and being out in front of your league mates with the analysis. So, again, UTHDynasty.com. Got Katie, myself, Chad Parsons. Until next time, never settle. Refuse to be average and keep building those dynasties.